Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's so good to be with you again on Vitality Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. You can call us at 801-292-6662. If you have questions about anything you hear on the show or just have questions about health in general, we'd be more than happy to talk to you at 801-292-6662. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Vitality Radio. Lots of good information shared there on a weekly basis, including oftentimes articles and things that I reference on my show. And now, without further ado, I'm pretty excited to bring to you this week's Morning Rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right, it is time for the morning rant, and I need to put a warning out there. So if you're listening, listen up little warning. I'm taking a risk today. I may hurt some feelings and ruffle some feathers, but a long time ago, I decided that I will speak my truth and I believe passionately what I am about to present on this very sensitive topic. Street drugs for kids, pill pushing by doctors and even teachers. That's the topic of today's rant. What pills are prescribed to millions of kids that are essentially street drugs? Well, the two most common ones that people know the most about are Adderall and Ritalin. There are many others. You may be out there listening, taking one of these drugs or have a child or a grandchild who's taking one of these drugs, or maybe you used to take one, or maybe you were prescribed one, but decided to do something natural. The truth is the prescription levels for these drugs is so rampant that many, many people listening to today's show are very familiar with what these drugs are, but are you as familiar as you think you are? And if you don't know much about them, stay tuned. I'm going to tell you why I, can, I refer to them as street drugs. Well, listen, I went online trying to find out what it costs to buy Adderall on the street because it's actually a very, very popular street drug. And what did I determine? That uh, in Layton, Ogden, Syracuse, Orem, over the last two days, you could buy one Adderall pill, 10 milligrams, for about $10. One pill, $10. That's a pretty high price. Must be a pretty good drug, right? Now, why are these being sold on the street? Well, the Journal of Neuroscience published a study that uh, functioned as a polite tap on the shoulder uh, years ago that amphetamine and methamphetamine were about equipotent and produce qualitatively similar 
behavioral responses. So what's the difference between meth, the street drug or speed, and amphetamine or deamphetamine, which is what's in Adderall? The difference is very interesting. Carl L. Hart is a professor in psychiatry at the Columbia University, and he said he did a study where they brought 13 men who regularly, regularly used methamphetamine into the lab. He gave them each a hit of methamphetamine or deamphetamine or a placebo on separate days under double-blind conditions. They repeated this many times with each person over several days and multiple doses of each drug. Like deamphetamine, methamphetamine increased our subjects' energy and enhanced their ability to focus and concentrate. It also reduced subjective feelings of tiredness and the cognitive disruptions typically brought on by fatigue and or sleep deprivation. Both drugs increase blood pressure and the rate at which the heart beat. No doubt, these are the effects that justify the continued use of D-amphetamine by several nations' militaries, including our own. And when offered an opportunity to choose either drug or, uh, sorry, either the drug or varying amounts of money, our subjects chose to take D-amphetamine or a similar number of, on occasions as they chose methamphetamine. These regular meth users could not distinguish between the two. It is possible that the methyl group enhances methamphetamine's lipid solubility, meaning it can get into the brain faster, but this effect appears to be imperceptible to human consumers. So, to boil that down, meth, the street drug, it affects people almost exactly the same way as Adderall the prescription drug. And on the street, you can buy Adderall in Salt Lake City right now for about 10 bucks a pill. So why are kids being prescribed street drugs? According to the National Institute of Health, they say we do not have an independent valid test for ADHD and there is no data to indicate that ADHD is due to a brain malfunction. Let me read that again. We do not have an independent valid test for ADHD, and there is no data to indicate that ADHD is due to brain malfunction. So what does that mean? That's the National Institute of Health. It means that there's actually a checklist. That's how ADD and ADHD are diagnosed. There is not a test. There's not a brain scan. There's not an x-ray. There's not a blood test. There's not a urinalysis. There's no procedure or test that they can run to prove that anybody has ADHD, it is based on a couple of checklists. And in fact, they can't prove that it's due to any kind of a brain malfunction at all. In 2013, the DSM-5, which is the big red book that doctors use to diagnose illness, changed their criteria for ADHD. Here's the checklist. Now, I want you to play along with me here. I know this is radio. I can't see you. You can't see me. But I'm going to raise my hand every time that one of these items on this checklist applies to me. These are the nine inattentive symptoms that are on the checklist to determine if a child or an adult has attention deficit disorder. The first one, often fails to give close attention to details or makes careless mistakes in schoolwork, work, or during other activities. I'm raising my hand. Often 
has difficulty sustaining attention in tasks or play activities. I am also raising my hand. Often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. That one I think I'm actually pretty good at most of the time. So we'll take me off that check. I'm checked two out of three so far. Often does not seem to listen. Oh, sorry, I gave you that one. Often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork, chores, or duties in the workplace. Mm, I'm about a 50-50 on that one. So we'll go two and a half. Two and a half out of four so far. Often has difficulty organizing tasks and activities. 100%. So now we're three and a half out of five. Often avoids or is reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort. That one is an interesting one because it goes a little further. It says examples, schoolwork or homework, or for older adolescents and adults, preparing reports, completing forms, reviewing lengthy papers. Yeah, sign me up. So we're at four and a half, okay? Four and a half on this uh, nine uh, out of the nine so far. Often loses things necessary for tasks or activities such as school materials, pencils, books, tools, wallet, keys. You can name wallet and keys. You say those, phone, eyeglasses, paperwork. Yeah, absolutely. I'm at five and a half. Is often easily distracted by extraneous stimuli. In other words, squirrel, right? There's a shiny object in one room you're chasing after and then you see one in another and you run after that. Okay, we're six and a half now is often forgetful in daily activities, such as doing chores, running errands for older adolescents and adults, returning calls, paying bills, keeping appointments. Yes, my 20-year-old daughter yesterday said, hey, I think your car payment's due. How does she know? Because her payment's due close to the same time. I didn't. I, it's it's, it's uh, paperless. You know, so I get an email. I must have missed the email. I almost didn't pay my car payment. Why? Well, I got a lot of things on my mind. Sign me up for seven and a half out of nine. An adult only needs five, five of those things to potentially be diagnosed with ADD. So seven and a half, pretty high number. I guess I'm ADD. I've never been diagnosed, but the interesting thing is that this diagnostic criteria that is used by medical professionals certainly applies to me. How about hyperactive impulsive symptoms? There are nine of those as well. Often fidgets with or taps hands or squirms in seat. Now, Ajay in the next room, he's producing the show today, and he will watch me for the next hour fidget and tap my hands and do things that I can do that won't make a noise over the microphone that keep me from sitting still. So sign me up for that one. Often leave seat in situations when remaining seated is expected. I pace constantly. Now, it's good because uh, I guess it burns calories, right? But sign me up for that one too. Often runs about or climbs in situations where it's inappropriate. In adolescents or adults, maybe limited to feeling restless. Yes, yes, sign me up. Often unable to play or engage in leisure activities quietly. I think that one's funny. Okay, so that one doesn't say anything about adults, right? Um, I don't know if I'm loud necessarily. I'm certainly talkative. But as a kid... I mean, come on, often unable to play or engage in leisure activities quietly. What kid plays quietly? I guess some do, maybe when they're alone, kind of. But you know what my mom will tell people all the time? She says, yeah, my son Jared, when he was a kid, he would sit in his room alone. And it sounded like there was a full-blown battle going on in there. He was making sound effects and noises and all kinds of stuff. And 
There was nobody in there but him. Yeah, I guess you better sign me up for that one as well. Is often on the go, acting as if driven by a motor. For example, is unable to be or is uncomfortable being still for extended time, as in restaurants, meetings, may be experienced by others as being restless or difficult to keep up with. I do okay there most of the time, but I'm on the go a lot. So yeah, there's, there's some of that with me as well. Often talks excessively. I can tell you there's not a single person who knows me that doesn't think that that's the case. Often blurts out answers before questions have been completed. Oh, sorry. That's me too. Often has difficulty awaiting his turn. Uh, okay, that's something I've worked on as an adult. I'm better at it now, but yeah, kind of me too. Often interrupts or intrudes on others. Butts into conversations, games, or activities. May start using other people's things without asking or receiving permission. Yeah, I'm pretty good about that. I respect people's space for the most part, I believe. So there's nine of those, and I'm like seven and a half on that too. Maybe eight. So ADHD, baby, full-blown, never diagnosed, never treated. How have I made it this far? Now, listen, I'll be the first one to admit that every morning, every Saturday morning, I get up at somewhere around 6 o'clock. Now, this morning, I had to get up a little earlier, 4 o'clock to be exact. And every Saturday morning, I think, boy, it'd be really great if I had something in my head that would just tune me in and throw me straight into that path of pure focus so I can just hammer out this radio show prep, finalize it all, get it done, and really just kick butt today. But you know what? I am what I am. And I do do things that help me with all these things. And if I don't do them, I notice a big difference. I'm going to talk about the things you can do naturally for this and the things you can avoid. And I am better than I used to be in a lot of ways in terms of handling all these things and proceeding in such a way that I can get stuff done. But I struggle to get stuff done. It is one of my life struggles, and it is the struggle of a lot of people who fit a lot of these symptoms. So the question is, should I be drugged? Because I'm telling you right now, if I went in for a diagnosis— I would probably get it. And if I went in saying I need this stuff, I would probably receive that stuff. So the question is, as an adult who's almost 45 years old, is that my choice? Absolutely. But what about kids? You know, we have this great responsibility as parents to our children to do what's best for them, right? And oftentimes, I believe we kind of go with what is suggested a little too easily, you know, because maybe a teacher said, you ought to look into this, or maybe a doctor said, yeah, I think he or she could benefit from this, and we just do it. But let's talk about this whole street drug thing. Why is Adderall worth 10 bucks a pill on the streets of Salt Lake City, Orem, Layton, and Ogden? Over the last two days, that's what people were paying for this stuff. Did you know you can find that information online? Kind of fascinating. I couldn't find out where to buy it, which is good, I guess. But I could find out how much it was getting being sold for. Ten bucks a pill. Okay, so what are the number of symptoms actually required to make a diagnosis in a child? Six of nine must be present. Six of nine. As a child, I'll tell you I was eight out of nine in both categories. My parents, they kind of were okay with how I was and who I was. 
and they recognized that I could get a lot of things accomplished and I could be a smart kid without necessarily needing to be medicated for anything. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because it's very interesting. Clinicians, doctors, have to interpret this. And every one of them is going to do it a little bit differently, I'm sure. But let's just put an example that was posed by, by a doctor who was reviewing this. He said, suppose a student seems to have the potential to earn all A's in school. If ADHD symptoms result in the student receiving A's and B's, is that sufficient interference for the student to be diagnosed with ADHD? This is the type of judgment that all professionals involved in diagnosing ADHD will need to make as the DM, DSMV, DSM-5, offers no clear guidelines on this issue. As the above suggests, removing the need for clinically sufficient impairment can make it easier to meet full diagnostic criteria for ADHD. Now, let's talk about that. In 2013, these things changed for the first time since 1994, this diagnostic criteria. And what, what changed? The biggest change is very interesting. You no longer have to have what's called clinically significant impairment in order to be diagnosed. So now the checklist is pretty much it. Because you don't have to have this thing that says, um, yeah, he cannot perform in school. She cannot perform in school. She gets Fs, no matter what we do. Now, if the child is fidgety, if the child struggles to focus, if the child makes noise or blurts out answers in class, things like that, that's enough. Now, why would they lighten the recommendation or the uh, diagnostic criteria? Your guess is as good as mine. But now we have the potential for even more children to be medicated. There are over 10 million, almost 11 now in this country, million people that are being medicated with these drugs for ADD and ADHD. So I want to tell you that I've worked with hundreds of moms, dads, and kids with attention and focus concerns. I'm well aware that there are some children who experience extreme challenges in these areas. I've met them. I've met their parents. I've seen the struggle. However, I stand firm in the belief that the majority of kids do not have mental disorders, even though, as I will discuss, based on medical diagnosis, most kids could qualify as ADD or ADHD. Now listen to this again. I want this to be clear. I get it that some kids really, really struggle. I understand that. I'm not 100% sure that that's not part of being a kid in a lot of cases. But in some cases, kids really struggle with this. What I'm trying to accomplish today with the rant first is to talk about the hidden dangers of these drugs, which I'll get into in just a second, followed by what should you do first to try and help your child, or if you as an adult have these symptoms, what should you do first to get on top of this stuff so that you can avoid that medical diagnosis first and then the pharmaceuticals that follow? Because there's no doubt that many parents need help, whether it is the school complaining about their child's behavior or the parent observing emotional or educational problems. This problem is Sorry, the problem is parents are being told their child has a mental disorder and needs medication. Now, think about the stigma associated with that. What is that? A mental disorder. See, for me, mental disorder is like psychotic or 
I no, I even get I get really hung up on this psychiatric diagnosis thing. But mental disorders should be reserved for those who are really, really sick mentally. Not for kids who are fidgety or have a hard time focusing or can't complete their work. I don't think that's a mental disorder. I'm having a hard time with that. In fact, the National Institutes of Health say we have no way of proving that it's a mental disorder. So we have this couple of checklists and that's what we go off of. And then we prescribe the pharmaceutical equivalent to meth to your child if he or she meets the criteria. I have a problem with the diagnosis, a real problem, because think of the stigma associated with that. So when a parent brings a child in to Vitality and talks to me and says, hey, my kid's got ADHD, I say, whoa, wait a minute. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Because if you have ADHD, if you are ADHD, would you ever refer to yourself as that? Sure, you would, right? Um, I'm, I'm ADHD. I hear that all the time. Or my son is ADHD. No, he's not. He's not ADHD. That's bullcrap. I'm not okay with it because that's a label and it's a stigma. And what does it mean? It means he's limited as to what he can accomplish in life, especially without medication. And I'm just not okay with that because first off, there is no way to scientifically diagnose ADHD with a test. It's not like diabetes or heart disease or cancer or asthma. It's not the same thing. In fact, the stigma really stinks because it actually makes a child, I believe, in most cases, and I've asked these kids point blank. I had a couple of them in my office last week talking to me about this, 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. And I said, how do you feel about your ADHD diagnosis? They don't like it. They don't feel good about it. It makes them feel bad about themselves. It makes them feel like they're not smart. Well, that's interesting because there was a study done that I found quite fascinating. I really, really like this study. 157 adults, all of them fully met diagnostic criteria for ADHD and all had significant impairment in working memory and processing speed. But they each had intelligent quotients, IQs, of 120 or above or would fall into the top 9% in terms of IQ of the entire U.S. population. 157 adults studied, all 157 Met, fully met diagnostic criteria for ADHD, and all 157 had an IQ above 120. They're all top 9% of the nation. So when you're given this diagnosis as ADD or ADHD, especially as a child where you really don't understand all of this, and you're just going off of what your doctor and your parents are telling you, maybe your teacher, What do you think of yourself when you are ADD or you are ADHD? I believe you think you're limited. And I'm just not okay with that. So let's change the conversation a little bit on this, okay? Now, let's talk about the drugs. Highly addictive. That's one problem. Coming off of them, all kinds of nasty, nasty stuff. These are not safe drugs. And it's not me saying that. 
This is the studies saying this, okay? There are over 60 warnings from nine different countries, including, of course, our country, the U.S. of A., warning that ADHD drugs and stimulants cause harmful side effects. 26 warnings on stimulants causing cardiovascular problems. 15 warnings on stimulants causing heart problems. 10 warnings on stimulants causing mania or psychosis. Nine warnings on stimulants causing death. That's a strong word. Nine words on stimulants causing violence, hostility, or aggression. Six warnings on stimulants causing depression. Five on causing agitation or irritability. Five on suicide risk or attempts. Four on hallucinations. Four on anxiety. Three on seizures or convulsions. Three on addiction or dependence. These are studies that have proven that ADHD drugs create these issues strongly enough that there have been 60 warnings made by nine different countries, and those are the warnings. What about the studies that back up the warnings? 32 studies that show the same things. Seven studies on stimulants causing heart problems. Four on uh, the efficacy, or this one I love, on the lack of efficacy of the drugs, that maybe they don't even work. Four on stimulants causing addiction, medication abuse. Four on stimulants causing stunted growth. Four on stimulants causing death. Medication and addiction or sorry, addiction and medication abuse. That's why it's 10 bucks a pill on the street. That's why I call it a street drug. One on suicide risk and attempts. One on violence. One on homicidal ideation. One on causing irritability and one causing mania, psychosis, and hallucination. So I have a lot of issues that I want to wrap up right now in the last minute of my rant. The diagnosis is not a true what I would consider a true medical diagnosis. A medical diagnosis is something that should be able to be proven in a test, not with a checklist. That's one. Number two, if your child becomes or if you become labeled as mentally challenged, right, a mental disorder, a, a, a disease, the stigma is powerful enough in some cases, I believe, to create bigger issues than you ever had before. And three, the medication that's being prescribed for these so-called disorders is literally the cousin, maybe even the brother of the street drug, meth, in terms of how it affects the brain, in terms of what it does, in terms of its addictive properties. It's the same stuff, and it's selling for 10 bucks a pill here in Utah. Okay, when I come back, I'm going to talk about the natural alternatives, the things that you can do short of drugs if you're like me and either have been or could very easily be diagnosed as ADD or ADHD. I'm going to talk about the things that I do, the things that I recommend highly, and the things that I've seen help children and adults alike in these categories. When we come back, you're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. 
What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. All right, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every Saturday morning. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's so good to be with you. And I went a little wild on the rant, 29 minutes of ranting today. So for those of you who come into Vitality and say, I don't rant enough, or the rant is your favorite part of the show, well, you're welcome. But now we get to some really important content, and that is the stuff you can do, you can avoid, and the stuff that you can take that will really, really help your brain function better uh, little tricks that you can use to allow to get your kids more nutrition and all of that stuff. So we're still talking about the brain. We're still talking about things for ADD, ADHD, hopefully things that can help you stay off of street drugs. And then at the end, remember, Holly Draper will be joining us talking about essential oils and aromatherapy for your brain. Okay, so here is the deal. Brain cells are the most complex, long-living, and nutritionally demanding cells in the body. Scientific studies have shown that intelligence, memory, behavior, and concentration are all influenced by proper brain function. Young or old, our nutritional status plays a vital role in determining how well we function. But diet and key dietary supplements are especially important to the developing brain. Now, let's go over this really quickly. Have you ever heard of an Adderall deficiency or a meth deficiency? Because there isn't one. There's no such thing, right? These things don't belong in our body. They can be helpful. In certain cases, I think extreme cases, personally, not even sure if extreme cases, in some cases, I wonder if they should be used at all. But regardless, there's no such thing as a deficiency there, but there are plenty of deficiencies that impact your brain. So before you decide on a drug or even to get diagnosed with something like that and get that label, how about checking out to see if your brain even has what it needs in the first place? You know, it's like your car, right? So you get in your car. It doesn't start. And what do you do? Buy a new car? Uh, jump in your friend's car? You know, what do you do when your car doesn't start? You check what's going on, right? You diagnose the problem. If it doesn't have any gas, you put gas in it. If the starter doesn't work, you put the starter, a new starter in, right? There's all kinds of things you would do before you'd buy another car or take the train. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but regardless... Your car needs certain things to run, and so does your brain. It's really actually pretty simple. And guess what? Things get in the way of your car, right? Roadblocks, nails in the road. All kinds of things can happen. Other cars. Same thing with your brain. There are things that get into our bodies that mess with our brains, that are clinically proven to mess with our brains, that some kids, before they go to school, eat every single morning. So we're going to talk about that first. What should we avoid if we're experiencing those kind of issues or simply if we just want to be healthier. 
there are certain things that are food additives that I want to focus on today. Now, I, I could go through all the same stuff, you know, junk food, refined flour and sugar and so on. And none of those things are good for you. But there are certain additives I want you to look for in the food that you're eating or that your children are eating. And these are those. The first four are colors. Red 40, blue 2, yellow 5, and yellow 6. Those are the first four. These are things that have been linked scientifically to mental disorders, things like ADD, ADHD, and exacerbating the problems. Now, I want to clarify, they've never been called the cause of these issues, but they make things worse in many people. Now, there's a really easy study you can do, and that is to go off of those things. Go off them for at least a week or two weeks, let them get out of your system, and see if things improve. If they do, stay off of them. Okay, so those are the colors. Red 40, blue 2, yellow 5, yellow 6. They're all listed on the label. They have to be. It's against the law not to. And there's a preservative called sodium benzoate. That's the other one. So it's those five things you want to stay away from. It's a big deal. Of course, the other junk food and so on, but those are the biggies, all right? Now, in terms of nutrition, deeper nutrition, of course, is huge. You've heard of my vital five. My vital five is the five things that every adult in this country, I believe, is probably deficient in and would benefit from taking as a supplement. Well, I also have a vital five for people who have brain stuff going on. Let's talk about kids in particular, but you can really apply this to adults as well. My vital five for kids who are experiencing ADD and ADHD type symptoms, because I'm not going to say kids who have ADD and ADHD because I dispute that, but here are the five things. Omega-3s, the best way to give it to a kid, in my opinion, is in the form of Udo's oil or flax oil, right in a smoothie. You can make it taste good, I promise. You can look up the St. Clair Super Smoothie if you want advice on how to formulate something like that. Micronutrients, greens, spinach, kale, things like that. Also in a smoothie, if you can't get your kids to eat a salad, there are other options. You can do greens powders. You can do fresh greens in a smoothie. We did a spinach test. We were doing smoothies. We did a chocolate peanut butter banana smoothie. It was actually a pretty healthy smoothie, believe it or not, based on how it sounds, maybe not so healthy. We did one with spinach and one without, and guess what? People can't tell the difference. Nine times out of ten, in fact, if they can't see the color, they can't tell the difference. It tastes amazing with a cup of spinach in a smoothie, a full cup of fresh organic spinach. Big deal. Trace minerals. That's the other one. You can put drops in beverages. You can put them in. Uh, smoothies and so on. And then I want to hit this one really quickly. Probiotics are so big. There's that gut-brain connection. I've talked about it. We're now referring to probiotics as psychobiotics because they're so valuable. And if you've got a child who dealt with antibiotics between the ages of birth and four years old, was born C-section, or was not breastfed for at least 15 months, you've got a child who is probably deficient in probiotics. And if that child is deficient in probiotics, the brain won't function like it should. Dopamine, serotonin, so many other things that are critical to proper brain health will not be there at the same levels they could be. Probiotics are also critical for the absorption of nutrients, and a brain that is nutrient deficient simply doesn't function very well. And then a couple of other things, GABA and theanine. I'm going to focus on GABA because I'm so impressed with how amazing this stuff works. GABA, in the form of pharma GABA, was given to sixth graders. All right. 
This is such an awesome study. 66th graders. The students were divided into two groups and received either 100 milligrams of pharmagaba or a placebo. The students then took a math test and were also evaluated for signs and feelings of stress. The results were quite dramatic. The average number of answers answered by the pharmagaba group was 20% higher than the placebo group. They answered 20% more math questions, and the number answered correctly was also increased by 20%. These results indicate that pharmagaba helped the kids not only think faster, but also get more answers right. The study also looked at some important markers for stress. These markers included measuring the amount of a stress-related hormone in the saliva, as well as how much anxiety in children the children were experiencing during the study. Both subjective and objective measures of stress indicated that pharmagaba group was considerably more relaxed and focused compared to the placebo group. So theanine, GABA, if you have questions about those, of course, we can clarify exactly what those are. Vitality, 801-292-6662. I know I'm running through this a little quickly. I got a little hyped up during the rant, went a little long. But I may even talk about this again uh, on a future show very soon. But if you have questions, please come talk to me. Give us a call at Vitality, 801-292-6662. And uh, we'll be more than happy to help you figure out what the nutritional needs of the brain are and how they can help you perform at a higher level, help your child perform at a higher level, and potentially keep you off of street drugs. Okay, I'm going to have to cut to a break. When I come back, we're going to have Holly Draper. She's amazing. The essential oil queen of all essential oil kingdom. She's just awesome. She's going to be on talking about essential oils for brain health as well. I'm going to cut to a break. I'll be right back. This is me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. Insurgent Sports Nutrition is a brand new sports supplement company with a unique philosophy. Refuse to conform. In the sports nutrition industry, one company starts something and has some success and everyone else tends to follow their lead. What you end up with is a bunch of Me Too products that don't add up to anything special. What you typically see on the market are formulas with all kinds of ingredients that look good on the label but do very little to advance your training and performance. At Insurgents, our motto is everything you need, nothing you don't. While many brands put the right ingredients in a product, most don't put the right dose. There are clinical trials for a reason to prove not only if an ingredient works, but also how much of that ingredient it takes to provide the desired effect. At Insurgents, we won't add an ingredient to a formula unless we can add the clinically effective dose. Our first formula is our Insurgents pre-workout. Pre-workouts nowadays are a dime a dozen. They even sell them at the big box stores. The vast majority of pre-workouts on the market are overdosed on caffeine and other stimulants and underdosed on the stuff that actually increases your performance. Insurgents pre-workout has all of the most critical ingredients to improve endurance, strength, energy, and without the crash that comes with a megadose of stimulants. Insurgents pre-workout comes with or without caffeine and has no additional stimulants. If you want a truly effective, hype-free pre-workout that tastes great, is free of artificial colors, and absolutely does the job, Refuse to conform and join the insurgents. For more information about insurgents pre-workout, call Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Holly, I'm so excited to have you back on Vitality Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. 
This is awesome. I, uh, you know, we're talking about immunity uh, this coming uh, Wednesday. Can you just for about a minute tell tell us what you're actually going to share with us uh, this I'd Wednesday? I'd love to. So I am going to cover the essential oils that boost and support the immune system, and because essential oils, all because all essential oils are not appropriate for children and babies, I will also talk about you know age appropriate use of essential oils to boost your immune system. So which oils are best for your kids, for your babies? Which oils are best for you? Which oils are best for the elderly? What happens if you're really sick? All that kind of stuff we're going to cover um, and how to use them, application, all of that will be covered. That is fantastic. I'm so excited. I've been telling people about it. We've got a bunch of people on the list, and I hope if you're listening out there right now, you make some time in your evening, Wednesday the 8th at 7 p.m. to come here. Uh, Holly live. She's excellent. She'll talk about all that stuff, do some Q&A, and it will be worth every minute of your time. Trust me on that. Okay, so for today's topic, I just finished ranting for an extended period of time about attention deficit, uh, ADHD, all that stuff, the diagnosis, the drugs, the labels, the stigma, and so on and so forth. And I have also talked about supplements for this problem to help uh, kids and adults alike to focus better, to uh, work with their personalities towards uh, a better result in the classroom, at work, and so on and so forth. But I did not touch essential oils and aromatherapy because, let's face it, that's your domain. So what can you, <laughs> what light can you shed on this for us? What essential oils can really be helpful and, and, and what have you seen, what type of improvement have you seen with people? Okay. Yeah, so essential oils are so beneficial for the brain. Uh, So many studies have been done proving their effectiveness for the brain. And the cool thing about essential oils is when you inhale those aromatic molecules, they go straight to the core part of your brain. It's the fastest way to start balancing and supporting your brain than any other method. Because when you take a supplement, of course, you take it orally and it has to go through your system. Eventually, it will get to your brain. But essential oils instantly get to your brain and start helping to balance and support and boost function. That's why I love essential oils, and they are so good for the brain. So let's just say that... Especially, now, there are certain oils that are especially good, especially when it comes to attention, focus, and memory. And so I'm going to cover these handful of oils. Um, and then I'll talk about exactly the best application of how they can benefit you the most. So the first oil I think of when it comes to the brain is frankincense. Now, frankincense is an, is an oil and a, an herb that has been around for thousands and thousands of years, and it has a very long history of its great medicinal properties and its great history of being very effective for the brain and for emotional stuff and for brain function. Frankincense is good for all types of brain issues. Like anything you can think of, frankincense will be good for it when it comes to the brain. It supports and boosts healthy brain function, and it helps and boosts cognitive performance. I love frankincense, especially when there's been any kind of injury to the brain, anything like a concussion, um, you know, any kind of injury, a hit, anything like that. You think of frankincense first because it has also restorative properties. And so frankincense is just a really, really good one. The next essential oil I want to mention, and I'm going to mention a handful, is rosemary. Now, the ancient Greeks called the herb rosemary the herb of remembrance because it is so powerful to 
aid healthy brain function and help boost memory and concentration and focus, all of those things that we're talking about. So rosemary is an excellent, excellent choice. Um, you and, and so the next one I'm going to talk about is lemon. Lemon essential oil is a great oil to help stimulate the brain. It, it can help with uh, attention, focus, and concentration. I love lemon oil because it specifically supports the left side of the brain, which is your left brain functioning, which is like your math, your, <clears throat> your data entry, logistical thinking, um, logical thinking, you know, the left side of brain. Lemon specifically targets that side of the brain and boosts it. And lemon is such, you know, it's a citrus oil. It's so fresh smelling and clear. Um, and it's so easy to get lemon oil. It's, it's, you know, not an expensive oil. You could put that in your diffuser and just sit next to lemon oil, although it's so great for many other things in such a simple oil, but it's fantastic to help the brain also specifically with left brain function. Yeah, I'm a huge fan the of lemon oil. The next essential oil I need to mention is jasmine. Uh, jasmine is a fantastic memory stimulant, and it also increases the ability to sustain and keep attention. And jasmine smells so delicious. It's a lovely floral oil, uh, and it's so good also for the brain. It can also help boost cognitive performance, memory, mood levels, uh, and concentration. And then the last single essential oil I'm going to mention, just because these are all superstars in this area, is the essential oil of rose. And we actually carry the Rosa Damascena from Bulgaria. That's the most medicinal rose there is available on the planet. And, and rose oil helps improve attention, your attention span. It helps increase the concentration capacity, and it also helps with faster reflexes. They actually did a study and the people who were inhaling rose had all the, you know, cognitive benefits of, of the rose oil, but they also demonstrated faster reflexes. So all of these essential oils are fantastic. You could take any one of them individually uh, and use them. But what I've also created a blend because I like to get them all in there for all their amazing benefits. So I actually created a blend and it's called Focus and Memory. And and you can it, it contains frankincense, rosemary, and lemon, and other oils that are good for the brain. Basil and tulsi, great for concentration and all that kind of stuff. So you can easily grab the blend or any one of these singles. Jasmine and rose just smell fantastic. They're both beautiful florals. So you can use any or all of these oils that you choose or you uh, that talk to you, you know, kind of speak to you. Let me talk just how you would apply them then. I kind of have mentioned it before, but inhalation is what you want to do with any of these oils when it comes to the brain. If you want them to help your brain, you want them to get up into your brain as fast as possible. So when you inhale the aromatic molecules of those essential oils, they instantly uh, get into the brain and you will instantly start feeling the benefits of those essential oils. Uh, and, and so that is how they are most effective for memory, focus, attention, and, and that kind of thing. So you can use them in a diffuser, a great way, and just sit by your diffuser and breathe them in. Or another way I really like is you can put a drop or two of your chosen essential oil on a cotton ball and then just hold that underneath your nose and inhale it deeply for 5 to 15 minutes. And it will, it gets right in there and starts balancing things out in the brain. 
so those are two really, really simple, easy ways to use them. Jared, do you have any questions? <laughs> no. Uh, can you hear me, Holly? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. You couldn't hear me earlier. I actually broke in a couple times, <laughs> but for some oh, reason I'm we so were having sorry. some issues. That's okay. <laughs> you can only hear what you can hear. No, you covered yeah. it well, and really the less of me and the more of you is probably better for everybody involved anyway, okay. so it works out. No, you've, you've hit it great, and we're actually running up against, uh, against our uh, end-of-show break anyway, so I just want to express uh, one more time how amazing and deep Holly's knowledge is on this stuff. If you're really curious about essential oils if you're currently using them you've heard about them you're not sure what to do you have children or small pets in your house and you're worried about which ones are safe which ones aren't safe she is a wealth of information as you can tell go to her website purifyskintherapy.com that's purifyskintherapy.com or better yet come meet her in person this coming wednesday the 8th of march at 7 p.m if you want to get on uh, the list and make sure we save you a seat call 801-292-6662. Holly, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. All right, so that is going to wrap up Vitality Radio for this beautiful Saturday. Thank you so very much for joining me. I hope the information that I've imparted has been valuable to you. If you have questions, please call us, 801-292-6662. You've been listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.